Welcome to episode 267. Thank you for being here. Uh, coming up, we'll do Song Wars. Eddie comes in. We'll do two songs with the exact same name battling each other. For example, Crazy by Patsy Cline. Crazy for feeling so blue. Or Gnarls Barkley. Does that make me crazy? So it's all those. It's, it's, it was really fun. A lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. That's a, a Mike D suggested segment that I think we'll do in a few weeks. Let's do it again. Yeah, I have a whole other list that we could do. So many songs have the There's same a name. Lot, yeah. Which is confusing whenever you get on a, a streaming site. Yeah. Because if you were to stream and look up Jump, would they tell you Criss Cross or Van Halen first? Well, let me look. I bet a lot of it's based on what you already searched. Yeah. I typed in Jump. House of Pain Jump Around comes up first in mine. Then Van Halen Jump. Then Third Eye Blind Jumper. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. And then Jump from Criss Cross at four. I wonder why. I guess Jump Around because I play in the dance party sometimes. Yeah. And I search for it to hear that intro. That... <laughs> uh, so we'll do that coming up. I'm a massive Better Than Ezra fan. Do we have any clips on this up. computer? No. Kevin Griffin of Better Than Ezra, the lead singer, on 90s Alternative, on Good, celebrating 25 years at number one, which they're one of my favorite bands of all time just because of when I grew up, they were somewhat close. This is it. It's a little bit of Good. We'll talk to him about all the 90s, 90s alternative. Here you go. Well, maybe I'm just too sure. Or maybe I'm just too frightened by the sound of it. Pieces of note fall down. Here comes the chorus that you may not know the words to. What's great about that is that uh-uh, he tells the story about that coming up. Yeah. Oh, one wait, of my wait. favorite things to sing was like, uh-huh, it's good. And I was like, I wonder what that, just, it's, it's good. Uh, thank you, guys. Let's get going. So it's now time for Battle of the Songs with the same title. Eddie is joining me for this bit. Eddie, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Check out the Sore Losers podcast. Eddie is uh, one of the three co-hosts on that show. Now, we have 12 songs we're going to do. This is the Battle of Songs with the same title. Okay. We're going to start with Crisscross. Versus Van Halen. Uh, <laughs> jump. Jump, right. Here we go. First up, Van Halen. Might as well jump, jump. 1984, this song came out. In 1992, Jump from Crisscross came out. Eddie, who's your winner? Come on, man. It's Van Halen. Really? Yeah, I do. you can't beat those keyboards on that, that. That, that, I mean, sure, I grew up with mostly crisscross. That was more of my wheelhouse growing up. But Van Halen, dude, that's a jam. They're I'm both going, jams. I'm going crisscross <laughs> because I was so inspired. In second grade, I wore my um, pants backward. Oh, did Because they wore all their clothes backward. Correct. And I thought, these kids are rapping. This is so cool. And I wore my, I broke my button on my pants. And I only had two pair of jeans. And I got a whooping when I got home because I wore my pants backward and broke the button on my pants. <laughs> That's how much I loved Crisscross, Cross. And they, I had the uh, cassette that had two songs, one on each side. Okay. They had singles. Yeah, the you singles. You had the A and the B side. And on the back side was, I missed the bus. I missed mm-hmm. the bus. So I'm going crisscross. Cross. Mike D, you I, are the, uh, the, the always the one that's going to tip the scale. I go crisscross. Cr- Cross. There you go. Wow, guys. Crisscross, Cross, 1992. Did Which you all wear overalls ever? 
Yeah. Not necessarily backwards, but you wear the overalls. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of that, too, was Malcolm Jamal Warner and Cosby Show. Correct. But you had to unbutton one of them, at least. Yeah, otherwise you were a farmer, which also <laughs> people did in my town. Right. Uh, which one do you think was the bigger hit, though? Van Halen, number one for X weeks, or Criss Cross, number one for X weeks? Criss Cross. Well, Van Halen was number one for five weeks. That's a long time. In 1984. Criss Cross was number one for eight weeks yeah. in 1992. All right, next up, Iggy Azalea versus Reba. Eddie, what song do you think that is? Fancy. Fancy is correct. Reba, 1991. Here is Iggy Azalea Fancy from 2014. Pretty easy one, I think. Is it? To, to, oh, they're both jams. To pick our. This <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't even be a conversation. Iggy just happens to have a song that's the same okay, name. Okay. It's not even close. Eddie, which one do you pick? Yeah, I'm going Reba. Yeah, I go Reba too. Um, which one do you think was number one on the Hot 100 chart for longer? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Fancy uh, Iggy Azalea. Well, Reba in 1991, Fancy peaked at eight only. Crazy. Because again, talking about a pop chart, I mean yeah. a chart that's all. That is all all the charts. Uh, Iggy was number one for six weeks in 2014. Mm. So she was uh, had the bigger hit. How about Lionel Richie and Adele? What song did they have with the same title? Hello. Right. Almost sounds the same. All right, here is Lionel Richie, 1984. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Nicest, sweetest guy. Just such a legend. And just the warmest, the minute you meet him, you're like, man, that guy's so full of love. That's so awesome. Just love that guy. You want to hear that about legends. Just the best. Doesn't have to be, doesn't need to be. Cool. Don't even know why he is. Just the best. Um, Adele, this is a hello. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet. Two smashes. Yep. Which one do you pick? All due respect to Lionel Richie, I wasn't really alive or knowing if I was alive. It was 1984. You were alive. Okay, well, I didn't really know what was happening in music in 1984, so that wasn't part of my life. When Adele came out with Hello, I think it was her second album, So she or she had taken a break and came back with Hello, and it was a big deal because to hear her voice again and... She was going to keep doing music, so I'm going with Adele, dude. I'm picking Lionel Richie because that song is still in commercials. It's been around 1984. You still see a peanut commercial. Hello, <laughs> peanut. I love that. I, listen, they're both great songs. That's You really can't argue that any of these songs suck. But I'm going Lionel Richie just because it has stood the test of time. And if I get to pick one to listen to right now, I'm picking Lionel Richie. Mm, okay. Mike D., you're the tipping. Yeah, even though I wasn't alive, I'll go Lionel. 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 Um, which one do you think was the bigger hit, Eddie? Uh, Adele. Adele was number one for seven weeks in 2015. Lionel was number one for two weeks. Yeah. So Adele is your winner there. Girlfriend. Who do you think sings a song called Girlfriend? We have two artists. Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Can you give Can you me name any of them? Mm-mm. In Sync. Okay. Featuring Nelly. Okay. 2020. Wait, 2002. Here you go. Here's Girlfriend. girlfriend. Oh yeah yeah yeah. 
Remember that? Yes, of course. Or Avril Lavigne. Here's Avril girlfriend. Girlfriend. Do you know this? No, never heard it. Okay, well, it's uh-huh. easy for you then. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Give me in sync. Yeah, me too. Although I like that Avril song, but that was the only one that went number one of those two. Avril, was that a, a, a single? Was that mm-hmm. a hit? 2007, yeah. number one song. Okay, how about we have three people here that all have the same title. The bands are Nickelback, DaBaby, <laughs> and Post Malone. Oh, what is this? Photograph? No. Nickelback, DaBaby, and Post Malone. I can't think of... What's the circle? No, no, no. Got nothing. Rockstar. Rockstar. Nickelback, 2007. Because we all just want to be rock stars and living in two driving 15 cars. Remember this? Yeah. I'll have the quesadilla. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that you say that in the song? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's funny. Here is the baby in 2020 this year. Yeah. Or Post Malone from 2017. This one's easy for me. I hate Nickelback. The Baby, that's a cool song, but I mean, whatever. Dude, Post Malone, this is a jam. That is a jam, but I'm going Nickelback. What? Just because... <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Nickelback's great. <sighs> People just hate on him for existing. He says, what does he say? He I'll have the quesadilla. <laughs> Get that out of here. <laughs> I know Mike's going to uh, tip this to Post Malone uh-huh. because he's such a big Post We're Malone We're going fan. Post Malone. All right, which is there. why I think you went Nickelback. <laughs> no. You knew Mike was going Post Malone. Um, I think I went Nickelback for the reason you don't go Nickelback. <laughs> okay. If I got to pick one song to listen to of those three, I'd, right now I'd probably pick Post Malone. <laughs> but nobody yeah. ever stands up for Nickelback. And you feel like you're, yeah, you're the one Yeah, somebody's got to be that voice. Okay. Nickelback versus Ed Sheeran. Nickelback's in two of these? Mm-hmm. Nickelback versus Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. What song do they sing that's the same? Photograph. That's correct. Here is Ed Sheeran, 2015. We keep this love in a photograph. We make these memories for ourselves. Where our eyes are never closing, hearts are never And here is Nickelback. Look at this photograph. I'm going Nickelback twice. <laughs> well, what is that on Johnny's head? <laughs> Turn it up. Oh, Joey! You big fan, you. Whatever. I'm going Nickelback. Oh, well, this sucks because I've never heard that Ed Sheeran song. Well, then you got you got no, Eddie. No, that's not Eddie. true. If you've never heard it, come <laughs> I've on. I've never heard Ed Sheeran's photograph, but there's no way I'm going for Nickelback. So give me Ed Sheeran. <laughs> that's my point, and that's why I have to stick up for Nickelback. And if that song came on at a concert and they're playing it or they're playing it before a band comes on, you're going to sing, look at this photo. You're going to sing it. And what the hell is Johnny's head? Yeah, Joey. I thought Whatever. it was Johnny, too. All right, Mike, you get to swing it. You know, I'm going with, if I heard the song on the radio, which one I would keep on, and I would keep on the Nickelback song. Nice. Oh Nickelback God. with a victory. <laughs> look at this photograph. Funny. We have, few, we have uh, six more. You like this game? That's a great game. FGL. Okay. Justin Bieber. Baby. No. 
Oh, wait. <laughs> Florida, <laughs> no, no, Georgia no, no, that's Line. That's what I to say. What's the one they spell? Justin Bieber. Um, does, uh, Mike, you know, obviously Mike knows. Uh, they don't mean, what's the one they spell out? You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking at the answer, so okay, I do. I don't know. What is it? Holy. Holy. H-O-L-E, holy. H-O-L-Y. Holy moly. Okay. Uh, Florida Georgia Line, 2016. Here you go. Which, in an ironic twist of fate, was a Justin Bieber song before he got rid of it. Wow. He, he took it first. Cut it, didn't put it out. So then Florida Georgia Line got it second and cut it. Great song, by the way. Okay. Uh, Justin Bieber, this is the song that's out right now. Here you go. Running to the altar like a track star. Can we end on the second? Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, feel so holy. Chance the Rapper? That's what he says when Chance comes on. Um, <laughs> he says that in there? Yeah. He's like, Chance the Rapper? And then Chance goes, yeah. Does his thing. Um, Eddie, which one are you picking? I'm going Biebs. Yeah, me too. This is a really good song. They're bo- and they're both really good songs. Yes. And both those artists get hated on a little bit when I don't feel like they should. I I think they're both fantastic. But I, the Justin Bieber Holy is it's really good. Really good. And maybe it's new and fresh. And I don't think I would have been on it if Caitlin wasn't on it. But she was like, oh, I put a new song. Let's listen. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. My kids love it. Yeah, they did it on SNL. It was really good. Oh, they did? Yeah. Cool. Um, how about, this is going to be a little tougher, Eddie. Hot Chell Ray. And Smashing Pumpkins. Tonight? Is yeah. Right? Tonight, tonight. Tonight, tonight. Yeah. So they're both Tonight, tonight. Uh-huh. Wow. Here is Smashing Pumpkins, 1996. Come on. Tonight. tonight. And here is Hot Shell Ray, 2011. La, la, la. Okay. Tonight. 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 <laughs> It's a good song. Were you ever a Smashing Pumpkins kid? Uh, no, I mean, I, I listened to it because that's that was, you know, growing up. It was what everyone was listening to at the time. Yeah? Same. But, I was never a big Smashing Pumpkin super fan. Mm-hmm. I liked some of the songs. Bullet with Butterfly Wings, freaking awesome. Yeah. They, had, they had songs I liked, but I was never into just their vibe. Is that uh, Despite All My Rage? Despite, Despite all, my, all my rage, yeah, I am good. still just a rat in a cage. They ha- Smashing Pumpkins has a great library yes. of songs. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, today is the greatest oh. day I've ever known. Because he sings like... 1979? No, 1979 is this one. Oh, oh no. Oh, yeah. Shot back 1979. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, oh, come on. Okay. It, it's very dramatic. This is today's the greatest day of my life. What's it called? Today. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think he's driving the ice cream truck in the video on this one. Right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and that kicks that distorted yeah, guitar dude. kicks in. That's a whole other episode. Good stuff. <laughs> um, Eddie, which one are you picking? Smashing Pumpkins or Hot Shell Ray? I do like that Hot Shell Ray song, but I mean, I gotta go Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, I go Smashing Pumpkins too. Play that for me, Mike. Smashing Pumpkins. You're winner. Okay. Nine of 12. Gnarls Barkley, Patsy Cline. Ooh, good stuff. Crazy. Yeah, Patsy Cline, 1961. 
crazy I'm crazy for feeling so lonely and what Eddie and I hope is that if you're somewhere and they play this song, you just slide in the fun fact that Willie Nelson wrote it. <laughs> just out of yes. nowhere. Be like, hey, obviously you know Willie Nelson wrote this, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because we're going to do it every single every time. Every single time. We even had to find a creative way to do it right then, and that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> you know Willie wrote that one, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. 2006, Gnarls Barkley Crazy. Jam. Sure. Well, when I think of Gnarls Barkley, I think of seeing them at uh, ACL Festival. Yeah. Right when this song yep. had popped pretty big. I mean, it's easy, right? Easy as pie. Go ahead. Yeah. Patsy Klein. Yeah, Patsy Klein. Crazy. Still a jam. I'm People are still inspired by her story, her music. What? No, I was just laughing because last night at the dinner table, I was telling my kids that Growing up, my dad had this family friend. He'd come over once in a while with a guitar, and he had a real thick Mexican accent, like real thick, and he would sing crazy. And he would sing, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crazy for <laughs> And my kids love it when I tell that story. Uh, Joe Nichols versus Usher. What song? Sunny and 75. <laughs> Just, Just joking. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Tequila makes her clothes fall off. <laughs> uh, the song is called Yeah. Here is a Joe. 2014. I haven't thought about this song since the day we stopped playing it, I guess. And I like Joe. I, this song it just left no impression on me whatsoever. I think you could have me list every country song I've ever heard in my life and this song wouldn't have come up. And not a hate for the song. It just, right. it just sounds like a, a generic song from that time. Uh, that's funny. Um, and then Usher, yeah, 2004. Here you go. <laughs> now this was a jam. Eddie? Yeah, Usher. Yeah, for Usher, sure. Usher, Usher. Okay. Two more. DJ Sammy, Kane Brown. Hmm? <sighs> Let's see. When you figure out what the DJ Sammy song is, you're going to be like, oh, that's... I mean, you may not even know who that is. I don't know who DJ mm -hmm. Sammy is. Uh, Kane Brown, uh, what's the song where he's in today? <laughs> what, what ifs? What ifs? <laughs> is that it? It isn't. Uh, let's play the DJ Sammy Heaven. Here you go. You know the song? Yeah, but who's, originally it's his, uh, you're in heaven. Who is that originally? Is it, it's not a, yeah, that's a sample. It's a sample? Yeah, for sure. Mike, will you Google that? I don't know how you're going to Google that, but... Just what DJ Sammy samples what song? Okay. That's what you yeah. Google. Okay, okay, you literally Google what you're asking. <laughs> See if you, ask you know me how this deal. works, Eddie? <laughs> no, I'm the worst Google Eddie's ever. Eddie's over on Ask Jeeves trying to uh, find the exact way to ask okay. the fella. Excuse me, <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Brian Adams. Yeah, oh, Brian yeah, Adams. that's right. You're in heaven. Baby, yeah, I even know that song. Brandon Ray always sings it when we used to tour. What is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. Um. So... DJ Sammy or Brian Adams okay. or Kane Brown. Here's Kane Brown Heaven, which was a, a number one country song for him. Everybody's talking about heaven like they just can't wait to go. Wait to go. Jam. Do you happen to have the Brian Adams mic? Is it in the system? Yeah, oh, this song. So are you throwing Brian Adams yeah. in this mix? We have to. Yeah. This is a jam this is sandwich. A jam, dude. 
Yeah, Brandon Ray would play this and I would cry. <laughs> he would. You played in sound checks oh, first. I'm thinking about all your Jam, jam, jam. I mean, we have to pick that one, right? Oh, for sure. Mike, which one would you have picked? I'd have probably gone Kane Brown. Yeah. Okay, it's a good version. All those are good. Okay, here's your last one. Forever from Chris Brown or Jesse and the Rippers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's Chris Brown, which, by the way, it's a good song, and they use it in The Office when they're going down the aisle when Jim and Pam are getting oh, married. Yeah. It really makes me emotional. And then Jesse and the Rippers, which they reach number one in Japan on Full House. There you go. The choir comes into the church. They met him on the. They got a bus ride to the because he he went par- skydiving, <laughs> landed in the tomato tree, uh-huh. or no, tomato tree, whatever tree it was, and there's oranges. Got stuck in it. Maybe Some apples. farmer. Maybe Apple cuts him down. He gets cuts down, lands in the thing. They drive him to the. He gets there in time. <laughs> sets at the piano. Peels off his his overalls. And he's playing in the church <laughs> in the bus that picks him up. All the gospel singers get out and sing yeah, behind yeah. him. It's perfect. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's perfect. Um, if yeah, I mean this is one of Caitlin and I's favorite songs together. Period. Because we love it so much. It's um, if every word <laughs> I say could make you laugh, I'd talk forever. Uh, is there other words there, or is it just, no, uh, just uh, okay, good? I asked the sky just what they saw. They said forever. Uh, yeah, jam. Forever. And ever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, They're both great. Go ahead, Eddie. Nah, nah. Jesse and the Rippers, for sure. Yeah, and did you know... That's not actually a Jesse and the Rippers song. Isn't that's not Jesse singing? It is. It's, okay. it's John Stamos singing that version. But the original song is a Beach Boy song. Oh, and it's freaking fantastic. Is it called Forever? It too? is. It's called Forever. Really? That's the cover because you know in Full House he played drums for the Beach Boys. Yes. In real life he plays drums with the Beach Boys. I saw them like a few years ago and he was playing drums for the Beach Boys. Here you go. Playing for my phone. This Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. I love it, dude. Old Beach Boys. If every word I said could make you laugh, I'd talk forever. I asked the skies what we had. It shone forever. Great, huh? Great music lesson. I have no idea the Beach Boys. Yeah, I mean, you can tell from the writing, it's like, oh, it does sound Beach Boyish, but now it makes sense. And it was such a great song on Full House. I was like, man, they were a freaking great song for yeah. Jesse Katsopoulos to play. Because yeah. <laughs> Fat Fish Records was his record label. And uh, they Jesse. called him and said, Jesse, the song has gone number one in Japan. And so they wanted him to travel there for two weeks. He takes the offer. So they go, and I went to Japan because of that. Because Jesse Be- went? Because in my life... Having absolutely no money until I got to be an adult, I never went anywhere. We couldn't afford it. Never went on a vacation as a kid. So when I started to have to find things to do, I went to Hawaii. Yeah, because of the Brady, Brady Bunch, Bunch, right? And the I went to London because friends. They go they, to London. They do. Okay, that was that's thinking. where Monica and Chandler hook up for the first time. Okay, I went to Japan because of Full House. Okay, I think that probably my three. what was uh, Iceland. 
Just thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> no movie. I went to Iceland because it was actually closer than I thought it was. Okay. Because I'd been to Europe, just pretty new to mm -hmm. traveling, and I was like, man, that's like nine hours across the ocean. But Iceland is like up and not all the way there. Yeah. And so I just Googled it. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, here we go. And Norway because you had to. Norway because Bear Grylls yeah. said, let's go. <laughs> right. And Australia because Nikita lives in Australia. Correct. And in Christmas time, it was warm over there, and I didn't have any family here to spend yeah. Christmas with. So I went to Australia for that. That's cool. Have I been anywhere else? Mm. I've been to every state except for Maine and Alaska. Damn, you're pretty well-traveled now. Now, for someone who went nowhere ever. Yep, mm -hmm. that's cool, I man. went to Ireland by myself. Oh, Ireland. What was that for? You too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It was Garth and Ireland, the concert sweatshirts <laughs> I'll see sometimes. The, the shows that never happened. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's close. It was the closest okay. European country. As you can see, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to traveling far. Yeah. Yeah. And I did nothing but stay on a little bus. I went by myself and just wrote and then um, went and looked at one thing a day. It's pretty boring for me. Crazy. Because it's the drinking is such a big deal there. It's, yeah. It's part of part who of they culture, are. Huh? And I don't. So I got over there and I was like, what the crap? And I was like, I'll just take a train and go somewhere else in Europe. And they, except it's an island and there are no <laughs> trains that go out of Europe and uh, or they go out of Ireland. And the other thing was, what was the other thing that I learned while I was there? Oh, I Ireland is the size of Iowa, basically. Really? The entire country. Wow. If that gives you perspective yeah. on what that is. Yeah, not very big. Like Ireland would be one of our small states mm -hmm. in America. Well, there you have it. Is that it? Was that the end? That was it. Mike did a great job with yeah, good game, coming man. up with this game. Thank you. There are a lot more than I thought. Yeah. You know, I mentioned a podcast that I have nothing to do with. It's from The Ringer. And I've only listened to one episode. They'll only put one out. And they're going through songs that meant – and they just did one on Atlantis Morissette, You Ought to Know, and they talk about the whole story of the song. It's pretty It's pretty, pretty good podcast. So they take a song and then kind and of – They break just, it down. It's oh, like, that's really cool. But not just about the words of the song, but what's happening around that time. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty cool podcast. I'm not even sure the name of it, but it's what I'm listening to right okay. now. And then at the end, they have it on whatever platform you're listening to. They have it connected to the stream. So as soon as the podcast is over, it goes right into the song. Nice. Yeah. So – all right, that's what's up. Um, Eddie, the Sore Losers, why should people listen to this? Sore Losers, because it's funny. We're just three guys. We talk about sports, yes, but then we talk about our lives, and I think we all just live very different lives, so it's very entertaining. Please give us a listen. Sore Losers Podcast. There you go. The Sore Losers Podcast. Get it. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, man. That was fun. On with us right now is Kevin Griffin of Better Than Ezra, as Good celebrates its 25-year anniversary of going number one. Holy crap. Hey, Kevin, how are you? God, it feels so good to hear your voice. You know, the same to you, my friend. And <laughs> I tell you, the great thing for me is whenever I'm doing like this interview here, I get to really focus on, and I get to geek out on a guy that I know in real life and wouldn't geek out on in real life because I don't want to be a loser. But right now I get to go full <laughs> loser, and it's, it feels great. Yes. So I'm I, see I have those guys too, and you you are. Let's be honest, you're one of them for me, Bobby. And I'm so happy that I get to be that guy for you as well. I see, and and this isn't on the sheet, and we'll get. I want to get to good, and I have so much to talk about. But the the band that you do with Mark McGrath and uh, uh, Emerson Emerson from Tonic, right? Like those guys. When you get together, are you also not? Are, are you like, man, we have such a bond because we all kind of went through the same thing at the same time? Like, what are those rooms like? So, so we have so so we have a band called Ezra Ray Hart. It's a '90s ju '90s juggernaut uh, that I, that's with Emerson Art from Tonic and Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. 
And we we have so much fun because we have so many of the same stories um, from the from those years where just the, the stupidity, the decadence, <laughs> uh, all the 90s. You know what they say, you know, I think it was that meme, uh, the 90s, the greatest decade ever and no evidence. So we kind of uh, we, we have a good time. Better Than Ezra, one of my top five favorite bands of my lifetime, even still today. Uh, you guys formed in 1988. You formed the band. Where were you in your life? Like, what was your long-term future in your mind in 1998 whenever you, you get the guys together? Oh, in, in 88. In 88. Um, in 88. You know, I was a sophomore at LSU. Uh, I'd always been in bands, you know. But but in, at that time, you know, there there was really the promise of – massive you know success you you wanted to just be you wanted to just be a band and tour but you also saw that brass ring you know with crazy sales of albums and stuff like it was back in the day so it was really kind of the 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 world was our oyster and in 1988 we had our first rehearsals we we moved it to boston that summer and started playing shows and we we played shows with the pixies and extreme um mission of burma all these all these seminal bands uh, but it was a great time, man, and we just got in our van, and we, we earned it for seven years. It took seven years before Deluxe came out. What about Better Than Ezra worked that all the other bands didn't? Um, it's such a cliche, and I know you can identify with this. It's perseverance. It's, it's, you, you hear it, but the reason our band is – we're having this conversation right now is that we just didn't quit because there were other bands, honestly – that were maybe had a better stage show. They had maybe better songs, but what separated us from them is that we just never quit. You know, our business is a business of no's, as as you as you know, <laughs> and uh, and y- y- all you need is one yes in this business, and then it opens all those doors. And we just never quit. And I always just had my eye on the prize. So it took. We we toured for seven years in our beat-up 88 Dodge Ram van all throughout the Southeast, playing every college bar from Tuscaloosa to Athens to Old Miss, Oxford, you know. And we just kept going, and finally, you know, things shifted, and, and grunge was starting to fade, and commercial alternative was starting to happen, and suddenly the band, the labels passed on better than Ezra. Suddenly we were the hot band uh, that March at uh, South by Southwest down in Austin, and, and uh, the rest is rock and roll history. I'm going to play... 1995. This is a song that just went 25 years. That's crazy. At number one, here you go. Here is good. So, when you're in a room, are you going, all right, let's make a song that no one will know the lyrics to at all. We sing it, and everybody sings it wrong for 25 years. Well, the funny thing is, man, so we we had a show coming up. You remember this band called Toy Dog Pondering? They were an Austin band that had minimal college success back in like the early '90s. We had a show opening for them, and I wanted to get some more songs together, some more originals, because we were still playing like half covers uh, and half originals. And so I sat down and I was like, I want to write a song like the Pixies meets REM with the same four chords happening over and over again. And so I started writing good. And then 
the key to a 90s song was you had to add the seventh. You had to, at the end of the chord progression, you had to add a major seventh chord. In this instance, it's a C seventh, which gives it the rock and roll, screaming trees sound. You know, and, and, and the whole hook of the song, the wah-ah, that was supposed to be lyrics. But the, <laughs> but the, show, the show happened, the show happened, and I had no lyrics. So I got up on stage and just, just winged it and went, wah-ah, and people loved it. I mean, the, the response from people with that one song compared to the rest of all the songs was so palpable uh, and different. We knew we had lightning in a bottle, and so I was like, I'm, I'm not going to screw with this. This has got some kind of thing. And then if you listen to other songs I've written afterwards, there's always some kind of non-lyrical wah-ah or wah-oh, uh-oh, something like that. Because it was a, it was definitely an epiphany for me. What's it like being a, you know, a guy that's in the middle of college, a sophomore at LSU? You're grinding it out, and you start after so much hard work. You start to get some of that that national exposure, and the rocket starts to take off. Like, are you able to kind of differentiate the difference in the hard, crazy work and the cool things you're getting to do, or does it just still feel like you're in the same rotating cycle of playing shows? Um when you're in it, you don't really have the perspective that I do now, like seeing that how things were going off. I was still, you know, I, I work with a lot of young artists and bands now, and a lot of them have a singular focus that I'm doing music. This is my future. But I was always, I always had uncertainty. You know, I always wanted a safety net. So I was going to go to I was going to, while, while the band was, while we're playing sold out shows all throughout the South and going up to play Cicero's with Uncle Tupelo, and, uh, which was the band before uh, Wilco, um, I, was, I was filling out my, my law school application. So I was going to go to law school if music didn't work out. And I, I was like, oh, I'll be an agent out in L.A. And so I was always kind of torn. Um, but but, but when, you're in the, when you're in the midst of it, you don't really know how special it is and, and the crazy things that are happening. But man, you know, those were such great times and innocent times. You're kind of like a, you're kind of like a pirate in a, in a touring van, you know, it's, you have no place to sleep. You, you know, halfway through your shows, you're always like, Hey, anybody got, anybody got a place for us to crash? That's a whole <laughs> separate podcast. That's a whole separate podcast. The places we found ourselves, the band houses. I mean, you needed a tetanus shot when you leave these places. Yeah, you know, the other day I was listening to a radio station. And they were like, "Hey, classic rock," and then Good came on. Oh it's, Jesus! Right. So here you go. <laughs> well, how do you feel about better than Ezra being playing on classic rock? I'm thankful, man. Yeah. I, you know, and somebody was somebody sent me a Spotify oldies playlist, and it was it was us and Nirvana and Faith No More. It was crazy. Uh, but you know, man, you know, it's so hard. To, to have a uh, a career with any longevity, man, and I'm so grateful uh, to still be doing it and the thing that I loved, you know, from from second grade, you know. So it's all good. Before I cut, no pun intended. Yeah, before I get through some of the uh, the songs that, that that I loved and tell a, a personal story from back when I was like 19, um, you guys put out in your eyes. Um, which is the first new music in two years. It's a Peter Gabriel cover. I want to play. Yeah. Uh, let's let's play better than Ezra's version. Here we go. Kevin, why'd you choose this song to do? Man, I've got such a connection with that song. It was my first serious love, 
in college. Uh, that I, this was my song that when I listened to it, it, I saw us together. And when Lloyd Gobbler hoisted that boombox over his head and say anything, that was me, you know. <laughs> and so it, it speaks to me in, in in memories, but also the lyrics and the vibe and the emotion um, is really relevant today for people feeling disconnected because of COVID and where we are. And it, it's just a hopeful song. It's spiritual in a way um, without being, you know, too on the nose. And it just, and it felt, it felt right on it. And also I liked Weezer's very faithful cover of Africa. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to go full on within your eyes. I'm not going to do a sensitive, pensive singer songwriter cover. We're going to go full out. And, and that's Aaron Sterling on drums. Who's John Mayer's drummer. Kristen Rogers is one of the best singers in Nashville doing the BBs. And so we went for it. You know, back in the 90s, your first TV performance, I got to imagine, because there, there weren't 10,000 places to play. There, you know, there wasn't all this content you could just do. How cool oh, yeah. is that? And do you remember your first TV performance in the 90s? The first TV show, like legit, was the John Stewart show. Wow. That must so have been early, early John Stewart, huh? Yeah, there was a, it was a, before The Daily Show, John Stewart had this hipster, uber hipster uh, late night talk show. And then, of course, I think the next one we did was Conan. Then we did Leno a lot. Leno dug us. The weird thing, though, is Leno would always come into your dressing room, and he was always wearing a denim shirt unbuttoned to his belly button. And it was always uncomfortable because my <laughs> eyes, it was like, it was it, it struggled. Do I look at him in the eyes or do I look at his, his stomach? Did you so, guys ever play Letterman? We did do Letterman. We did Letterman uh, twice. And what most people will tell you, and I can uh, validate this, is that it was like a meat locker in there. It so cold. It was at like 52 degrees. Did you do it? Did you ever do it? No, I didn't do it. I went. He's my hero. Like, my life heroes are Letterman and Howard Stern. And so I never, I went to the show and got to watch it, and it was, I was freezing my balls off just being in there. Uh, yeah, it's, it, and so imagine, you know, when you do, when you do these shows, you're nervous, right? So when you combine nervousness and sub-zero temperatures, your you know your your hands don't really work. So I performing there was always a challenge for me. You know, me growing up in Arkansas, you know, central and, and south Arkansas, I always felt like you guys were pretty local because you were always proud of your Louisiana roots, and you guys oh, yeah. were, were touring through my my area a lot, which is one of the reasons that you became one of my favorite bands. First of all, I, I was 90s country, 90s alternative kid, both, you know, to my core. And did you feel like, and I, I started thinking back as to why I felt like maybe you guys were, were very close to me personally. Did you feel like, I know there was punk roots, the alternative roots, but did you feel like there was any country influence in what you guys were doing? Man, you know, I, I, it, it, first of all, it's, two, it's kind of a two-part. So you grew were you in Little Rock? I was, uh, I mean, near Little Rock on and off my whole life. Right. So did you ever see us at Cicero's? I saw you there, and, I, and once, my favorite, Better Than Ezra Story, when I was 19 years old, I saw you guys in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And it was um, a small club, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, I'm, I was right up near the stage. And at the end of the show, you said, does anybody know this time of year? And you were like, somebody can come up, and I, you would let them play it on guitar. And so I raised my hand, and I got up on stage. The thing is... Oh, 
the thing is, I'm left-handed and can't play a right-handed guitar. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, I'm left-handed. So I still sang the song as someone else played the guitar. So I sang on stage at your show when I was 19 years old. Dude, I, I love that story, and, and it's such a great thing that people come up to me now and say, dude, I played on stage with you in Philadelphia or, or Seattle. And, and truth be told, we got that, we got that trick from you too. Because I saw them in 88 at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in LSU. And during Stand By Me, their cover, they always got somebody up to come play guitar. And I was like, that's awesome. But wait, to get to, to finish your, your question, um, country music, you know, that was always in my house. But it was old school, like Charlie Pride, uh, George Strait, Willie Nelson, uh who else? Uh, Waylon Jennings. That's what my dad listened to. So I think there's, I always loved the narrative aspect of uh, the, the country music, you know, the stories it told and stuff. And I, I like to think that's always been in my songs with songs like Lifetime and Our Last Night and stuff like that. So good is 1995. Uh, in the Blood, 1995 as well. This is deluxe. Play a little bit in the blood. Rosalia, let's play a little bit of Rosalia here. What has he done, my my so, <laughs> listen, all these songs just take me to a place, right? Well, then, here we go. It's 1997, Desperately Wanting Hits. And I'm like, they changed my life again with this song. This was, <laughs> it felt like, to me, it felt like it was where a band like Stabbing Westward got their, their groove. Like, I feel like this song kind of personify what other bands were going for there because uh, it felt like a bit of a bit of a change for you guys talk about that period it, it was it, it's such a cliche now a, a band has success on the first album and the first thing they say about their next album is well this one's a little harder than the uh, earlier stuff you know it's a little, little rough, more rough at rough edge and we were that the same way you know I think we were listening to heavier music um that we didn't and uh, we didn't want to seem too pop. And, and you can hear that in the Friction Baby album. Uh, we, we did that record at uh, Daniel Lanois Studio down in New, Orleans, in New Orleans, right in the French Quarter. It's called Kingsway Studio. I mean, uh, Pearl Jam, U2, R.E.M. did seminal albums down there in this amazing haunted studio. And so Friction Baby and Desperately Wanting was born out of that. And Desperately Wanting, the interesting thing about Desperately Wanting is the original chorus is now the is the bridge of that song, and I realized, and it was a key change, and I was like, oh, this is a terrible song. So, so let's make that the bridge, and let me write a, a better chorus. And I, I remember exactly where I was. I, some of my best songs, I remember where I was when I wrote it, and I was sitting on my couch in my bedroom in the Garden District of New Orleans on this rainy Sunday. And I was like, well, maybe if I speed up the delivery of the lyrics on this chorus, it'll make it feel different. Because all all my all my favorite songs that I've written are the same chords, you know, verse, chorus, you know, and that's that's always the the hallmark to me of a great song. You don't have to do any big transitions; just with a switch in melody, um, it, the song feels like it lifts and falls and in the way it's supposed to. And that's what Desperately Wanting was. And I'm so glad you dig that song. And let me say something, dude. I'm a fan of what you do, all, all the work you do. And so for, to have you say you're a fan of that music and that it's the, the biggest 
prop anybody can give your music is that it 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 reminds them of a a time in their life. You know, it's a soundtrack to a certain point in their life because I'm the same way. So it's very cool that you feel that way. You know, again, when I was 19, I played with them, and then a few years ago, you guys at my show, you came and played, and the two songs, I was like, hey, we played good, and we played Desperately Wanting, and it it was the highlight of my night. And I'm, I, get, I got to play with everybody. Keith Irwin came up and played, but being able to play those two songs, because again, it just takes you back to a certain place. There are certain I love it. songs or sounds or video games that you remember exactly where you were and what your goals and your dreams were, and you guys and you were a big part of that for me um, early on. So so it's been real cool to talk with you about that. I do want to mention this too, though. That do it. These are other songs that Kevin's written with and for other artists. Here's Howie Day, Collide. Was that the first cut that you got that was big from somebody that wasn't you? No, this is a great story. The first cover I ever had, or the first co-write I ever had, was with Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. So 2001, I was recording an album at, at uh, Conway Studios in Los Angeles. It's this amazing three-studio complex in the heart of L.A. And Jane's Addiction sang about it, and Jane says... Um, anyhow, but Justin Timberlake was in one studio, Better Than Ezra was in the middle studio, and Mr. Meatloaf was in the next one. And long story, I, I wrote this song with him called Testify, uh, which was a seven-minute long opus about a, a truck driver on speed. who he, he, His truck breaks down and he stumbles into a tentside revival. You should listen to it. If you, want, if you want to see an exercise in bad taste, Google or YouTube Meatloaf Testify. Sydney Opera House, and it's a spectacle that you want to take a shower after you watch it. <laughs> but 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 then but anyways, the, the guy that managed Meatloaf also managed Blondie and the BG. So I wrote I wrote a single for Blondie. I wrote a song with Barry Gibb that was terrible and never got released. But that opened my eyes to co-writing, and then suddenly other younger artists like Howie were coming to me and and. Uh, wanted me to write with them because they were influenced. So that kind of started me. But Meatloaf started the co-writing. That's funny. Uh, Sugarland, Stuck Like Glue, wrote this one too. And then James Blunt, I'll Be Your Man, is another one I have up here. Are you still writing th- three, four times a week? What's the deal now, Kevin? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I- I'm writing with different bands. I've just... just written some songs with the struts and the band called the record company and uh, got some cool stuff coming out with them and uh three 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 to five times a week well I hope everybody checks out in your eyes the new one from better than ezra it's a peter gabriel cover but such a good version um Brother, i still live so on deluxe uh, there's uh, probably once every couple of months i go back and just take the whole thing in i find now even though my job is to at times find new music what makes me feel most comfortable as i get older now is just going to the music that I loved as a kid, so it's better than Ezra, John Mayer, Counting Crows. Um, isn't it? Isn't it funny? Like, like when you you have Sonos in your house? I do. Okay. What is your Sunday morning? What is your go to artist radio? Um, I'll play uh, acoustic nineties. Oh, that's good. As mine. Mine is. I'll do. You remember that band Travis? Oh yeah. Why does it always rain on me? Sing. Oh. Yeah. Do me so. Do Travis Radio, K 
Pure radio is great, but my go-to might be Van Morrison radio for, for that sultry, romantic Sunday morning. Next time I need to be sultry and or romantic, oh, I'm going to check it out. And think of Kevin. I will. I always do. <laughs> at Kevin M. Griffin on Instagram, at We Are Better yeah. Than Ezra on Instagram. Uh, congratulations 25 years ago, man, just to be able to last and to be able to talk about it has uh, got to be really cool. I appreciate the time. And as always, I'm a massive fan, and I can't wait to see you in real life again. Dude, right back at you, Bobby. All right, there he is. Bye, Kevin. Cheers.